Good morning. My name's Anthony, and unfortunately, you've got to put up with me this morning as the host. Um, and then, boo. And, and then you've got to put up with some terrible coffee afterwards, so I get my own back. <laughs> um, oh, it's okay. It's drinkable. Look, coffee's drinkable. Um, so, welcome to church this morning. And, David, do you want to bring up the announcements? Because we actually have some. announcements oh here we go so playtime playtime is back if you didn't know and if you what is it preschool yeah okay so <laughs> i'm i'm at work <laughs> uh, i did say to my colleague she yeah it's true my colleague did have a go at me one day and she said how old are you and i said three and she laughed so there you go um, yeah, well, I give Nerf guns to our, um, my colleagues, so we have Nerf fights every now and again. Um, so 9.30 to 11 a.m. Wednesdays, every other week, isn't it? Or is it every Wednesday? Every Wednesday, okay. Playtime? Um, come along and have a water fight. Sounds good. Um, we're going to have a welcome lunch, or as it was said, it should be a welcome launch. Um, <laughs> this is probably terrible, Dave. Um, we're going to have a welcome lunch. Uh, that's the 3rd of March, if you see there in the bottom of that column there. And then afterwards, so we're going to have our Vision Sunday on that Sunday, and then we're going to stick around afterwards and pig out on a feast of chicken and whatever salad you bring. Just bring chicken, because chicken is food. That's right. It's a pig out. Pig out with chicken. So it's a chicken out. That's even chicken out. Just just bring chicken. Don't No. The chicken's going to be provided, or we... Yeah. Okay. Yep. You'll buy the food and the salad that what food eats will come along as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Pam will Pam will be here next week, so she'll let us know. Um, and finally, look if uh, you remember the church and you're looking to give online, that's the details of online giving. Otherwise, if you prefer just to chuck a couple of bucks into the into an envelope, there's a box over there and there's one around the corner. I'm not just selling it. Look, <laughs> if you want to support the fantastic work that we do here <laughs> and you've got a spare million to give, go by all means. There you go. Is that good enough? <laughs> so that's the details of giving online. Um, I'm just going to pray for us and then I'm going to do the um, what will be our message for the day if I can open my Bible one-handedly. Let me just pray first. Amen, Lord, please, God, be with Duncan as he comes up to preach. And Lord, just inspire the words that he wants to share. And just, Lord, help us to just think of the deep truths you're trying to instill into us. I mean, you have this week been pushing on me to wait for you. And I think these are deep truths you want us to really, the disciplines of Christian walk with you, Lord, that help us to know who you truly are. And when we when we wait on you, there's a there's a patience, there's a there's a peace that comes from knowing that you are the Lord and that you have everything in your hands and you hold it all together. So be with Duncan as he shares more insights into this and help us to learn as your people to walk humbly with you. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So in uh 
So Mark chapter 2, verse 23. On the Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciple, as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his, co- his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath, was not ma- the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. I was um, down at a wake yesterday at um, Shelley Beach, which I'm just going to have a moment of confession. is my least favourite beach on all of the northern beaches. And I say that knowing that there's a Shelley Beach lover sitting right in front of me. Uh, It's hard to get to. It's difficult to park at. It's the only place for all of us who live on the northern beaches and have a past where the past doesn't seem to count for anything because Manly is a special own little community. And so we drove down and we drove around and we found two-hour parking and we hiked on into Shelley Beach and I bought my snorkel because I was like, I'm going to make the most of it. And sure enough, the wake was, you know, fun, and it, which is crazy for a wake. But it w- the whole point was to meet friends and connect. And then I was like, I'm going to go out in the water and have a swim and have a snorkel, which I haven't done for ages at Shelley Beach. And it was magical. It's the thing that I, most annoys me about Shelley Beach is every time you get there, you realize why it's so popular. Because it is actually quite good. Um, just beautiful day in the ocean and I feel like sometimes when we talk about Sabbath which is what we're talking to today like it's a little bit like a Shelley Beach it's good we know it's good it's difficult to get to it's hard to make time for it's hard to find a park a place to put it but when we get around to doing it you're like oh yeah it's real good I should have done this sooner. That's how I feel about Sabbath. Um, I think 
I think there's stuff that we do at church that's just, we got it like um, backwards. And so we go, we should be a more praying church. So we just add in prayer events to an already busy schedule. And everyone feels a bit overwhelmed by the fact that now we've got to go to all these prayer events on top. We need to be a more um, in the word. And so what we do is we assign everyone Bible reading programs that they need to get through. And now there's this burden of doing a Bible reading program. And the book's thick. You know, it's verbose. There's a lot of pages to it. And they're whisper thin. <laughs> do you know? Like, I don't know what they... they <laughs> it's... That's like a GSM of about five, that thing. Um, if you used it as a tissue, you'd blow straight through it. Um, it's, it becomes a little bit anxiety-inducing. And so my notion is, is we need to start in a different place. We need to say no to stuff so that we have margins in our life so that we can find the time to cultivate our healthy prayer life and a healthy um, just time with Jesus. And I, I don't know what the shape that is for you and whether or not that's involving, you know, a, a healthy Bible reading program or something like that. Is, that. is that one of the things we've been trying to cultivate here is like, well, let's do Lectio Divina. It's an app for your phone. And there's a daily Bible reading and reflection. And hopefully that that can sit within the rhythm of whatever you're doing. And so I find that when we come to the notion of Sabbath, like I preached seven weeks on this last year. And it's the most, I don't know how to explain this, but it's the, it's the thing that I preach on that I get the most positive response from, but the least engagement in doing. Do, and, and here's what I mean, is that people will finish, we finish the series and everyone is like, oh, it's so good. I'm so glad you talked to that, but I do not have time in my schedule to do that. It's like, that, that's, the whole, that's the whole point. And so it was time and time again, we would be confronted with this notion of, oh man, I, I love that you're talking about that. I wish though that that applied to me, you know? And you're like, <laughs> it kind of does. It, it's, it's a really significant teaching that we see regularly in scripture. And the, the thing is, is that you and I probably got more-itis. You know, we just got this condition where we just need to do more everything, more fun. We just need to make a little bit more money. If only we could go on more holidays. If we just had an extra car, so we had some more cars, then we would be able to get to everything that we need to do. The house is great, but if we had a more house, then we would have extra rooms to put everything that we needed to accumulate into um, and so that list keeps on going on and on and on. And we get to a place where like if we had more time to do the more stuff, then we would be okay. And the thing is, is we've got more-itis. And so there is a sense 
that the more that we want is not the thing that God is trying to direct our moritis towards. I'm not trying to get you out of moritis. I'm trying to say that the more thing is a more God thing that your heart longs for. The king of Israel, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, verse 11 a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. It's good that you have moritis. But the thing that you need more of is not possessions, is not time, it's God. And so we need to reorientate ourselves to a rhythm that has existed from the beginning of time. And you can see it in Genesis. God creates the heavens and then he creates the earth. He creates day. He creates light. He creates plants. He creates animals. He creates sun, moon, stars. He creates the creatures in the air and the creatures under the sea. He creates the creatures on the land and he created you and me. And then he gets to the seventh day and he, oh, you know it. Okay, you know the story. That's nice. Okay, yeah. So on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all his work, creating what he had done. This Sabbath is not a new concept. 104 times the Sabbath gets referenced in Scripture. 40% of that is in the Pentateuch. 40% of that is in the prophetic books. And the rest is in historical literature. Um, two times it happens in Psalms. In the New Testament, Sabbath is rest, uh, mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Colossians, the list could go on. Seems to talk about Sabbath a little bit more than he does killing one's neighbor. Apparently, we only need to say that one a couple of times. And we're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. So we should definitely not do that. But it's a challenge. You get to this passage where Jesus is with his disciples walking through the fields and he's picking up grains. And the thing is, is that by now, Sabbath has become institutionalized. Pharisees, very good at Sabbath, developed a whole architecture around what it should look like an absolutely stifling and suffocating architecture, nothing of what God had intended the Sabbath to be, but they had created and institutionalized the rules for what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And Jesus shatters them because he reminds them that the Sabbath was created for us. So there's a goodness and a wonder and a joy in keeping Sabbath. I I wonder if um, 
part of the challenge with Sabbath is a spiritual resistance. A spiritual resistance to what it accomplishes is that in Sabbath, we are finding joy and delight in the Lord. Who steals joy and delight? Satan has come to steal joy. He is the joy thief. And so if we can create a notion that is so, you know, highfalutin and spiritual and out there that you would you would sacrifice a day in an already busy schedule to do nothing but delight in the Lord. <sighs> Lunatic. So much more to be done. So much more to be accomplished. So much more to be made. The notion of not achieving for one-seventh of the week. Well, you can say goodbye, Watson, to more money. Gone. To sacrifice a whole day to be with the Lord, to find joy in His presence. <laughs> You're going to have to say no to a whole lot of more. Unless that more was delight and joy in the Lord, which you would discover. Um, there is such a heavy resistance for me on a Friday to Sabbath. Because the weight of more is everywhere. And I often get informed that it doesn't work for me because I need to accomplish stuff on this particular day. Whatever day that is. But if it works for Yahweh himself, and Jesus does not preach against Sabbath, but only invites people into it, that we need to find a framework whereby we can find joy in the Sabbath. We, 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 we just, we won't, we won't as a community be more prayerful if we just try to add it in on top. It just won't happen, okay? I've been doing, like, this is like, I just have an awareness. It was, I was saying it to Helen just before. They were playing music from the 2000s like it was retro music. I was just personally offended by that. I was like, this is modern and hip and cool music. What are you talking about? How dare you? And then I had a moment that this is like like in the, in the 80s when my parents would play music from like the 60s. And I'd be like, what is this dated music? And they were like, what are you talking about? this is cool and hip and modern. And I'm like, it's anything but. And, you know, you realize that you're old. But I've been in pastoral ministry like almost 20 years now in some capacity. We can't add prayer on and make it work and suddenly magically become prayerful if we're all overwhelmed and stressed and busy and feel like this is an awkward thing to do. We... 
we point to like monastic practices, you know, like prayer of bells. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, monks ring bells and they stop and they pray and they do that three times a day. And we go, that's a nice practice for monks, except it wasn't. It was like a church practice for like 300 years. <laughs> you know, you just set a little reminder on your phone that goes off three times a day and you stop and you pray. And that's what you do. Um, was it you? Was I talking to you and Jeanette about prayer the other day? And you were saying, but you had some kind of party. Was it you? And your mum, or no? Oh, this is so bad. I was talking. I have so ADHD. I was just brought up an analogy that's nonsensical and I can't repeat properly. Um, I was talking with a buddy, and they were saying that they were having this this like significant birthday party like it was like a, a an 80th for a woman who was at that party and she had her alarm set to pray and at her own 80th disappeared off into a back room to pray and they were all getting ready to sing happy birthday where is she she finishes praying comes back out and joins the party they're like where were you well like, my, my phone went off and so i had to pray and it was just like this beautiful kind of oh yeah no you can do that you could do that at your own 80th and people are like oh they're back now let's get into it no big deal but what we do now is we just kind of assign it to a monastic practice oh monastic well, you know like oh, that monk praying three times a day it's like no well they're just prioritizing more but the more that they're prioritizing is god and so we get to this passage where Jesus is trying to reconfigure their understanding of what Sabbath is. Oh, it's, you can't pick grain heads. That's a form of work and you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And we created this whole architecture to explain this to you, Jesus. Obviously, you're unaware of it. And Jesus, who's much more aware of what God has intended, says to him, have you ever read David, what he did with his companions when they were hungry and they were in need in the days of Abathar, the high priest, they entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is super unlawful for them to do. And then he went outside and gave it to some of his companions. The point being is that you have messed this up. It's designed to rejuvenate you. It's designed to energize you. It's designed to bring you health, this day of rest. Um, I preached a, still one of my favorite sermons that I gave um, was, um, you can sleep because God doesn't. We've got, we got a to-do list that is never ending, but the, one of the great joys that we have in our life is we've got someone who's just, call center online 24 7 so we can go to sleep at the end of the day with trouble and assign it to the good lord and then for the purposes of eight and a half hours rest which is what you should be getting tackle that another day um when you wake up at the end of that eight and a half hours god has put in a full good day's work on that problem he does that every single night. You can sleep because God doesn't. 
God has a very keen awareness of our desire for rest. And so I felt like yesterday I had this like microcosm of the resistance to Sabbath, the Shelley Beach Sabbath, <laughs> which it only just goes to speak to why I get so frustrated because it is a good beach to go to. I wake up in the morning and I say to Carly, I find this a bit inconvenient that we have to go to Shelley Beach for this wake. It's just a little inconvenient. It's not an easy beach to get to. You've got to walk into it. It's going to take some time. We're going to have to leave early. What are we doing with our kids? By the way, I'm running out of that excuse now. They're almost teenagers, and so I can 100% leave them at home. That's not a problem. I just cling to that excuse. Your days are numbered, Kiralee. Yeah, yeah, they get big enough, and then you're like, no, nah, you can leave them at home. Stop using that as an excuse. Um, and so then we get in a car, and we're driving there, and we're lamenting the fact that we are going on a beautiful summer's day to a gorgeous beach to spend the day at. That's, that's what we are lamenting. Kind of the same as Sabbath, isn't it? And then we arrive at the beach to pristine water. Only to find that there are hundreds of other people there who are enjoying the exact same experience as us which makes me even more loathsome. How dare these people show up on my beautiful beach on my beautiful day and have their own beautiful experience? Which I think is also an experience of a person who has not done Sabbath and does it for the first time and go, oh... This is what the monks are talking about. It's quite a lot of fun. And then you realize there's a whole bunch of other people at Sabbath Beach who have just been really enjoying it and put up with the fact that it's hard to get into, it's difficult to come and join, but once you're there, you have a great time. So what do you do? How do you get to Sabbath Shelley Beach? Can't believe I'm calling it this. Ah. <sighs> You have to, at some stage, stop. You have to stop. You have to say to yourself, at some stage, I am going to stop doing all the things that I could do, and for 24 hours, I'm going to take this moritis and direct it at the good Lord. The second step is to rest. There is a rhythm of work and rest. It's agricultural too, like it's good for fields to lay fallow. Weird how God built that into everything. Almost like he was trying to say something to us. And just like the rhythms of night and day, we have rest and work that we need to pay attention to. The third step is you should delight. And can I just say that the delight for me, the things that I do on a Sabbath day might be the things that you don't find delightful. And so delight, 
you have to think along the lines of what are the things that I enjoy doing that fill me up, that make me happier at the end of doing them. Can I give you an example that's very different in our household? My wife gardens on the Sabbath. I could not think of a more disgusting thing to do on the Sabbath. Gardening. And so we had to have a chat because early on in the Sabbath practice, Carly would be like, I'm going outside to pick weeds. Do you want to come and join me? And I was like, no. And she's like, why? It fills me my heart with joy to pick weeds. And I'm like, it does not fill my heart with any sense of joy. I do that on other days. That's a work thing. That's not a joy and delight thing. And so Carly slaps on a big broad-rimmed hat and gets outside and she weeds and she gardens and she plants succulents in what should be a completely native garden, but that's a separate issue. It's beautiful. And I do other stuff. I go and work out at the gym. Carly does not like working out at the gym on Sabbath. That's work. So we have different things that fill us up and bring us joy and bring us delight. There are common ground where we enjoy fantastic meals together. Like that's, you should be eating some nice foods on Sabbath. The goal here is to find the place of delight. So whether or not that's sports or spending time at the beach or reading a good book, like can I, don't read, you're not reading self-help books on Sabbath day. You're not trying to purposefully make yourself better. You should read like just sloppy science fiction fantasy stuff. Yeah, whatever it is, but it's stuff that you read like a comedy book, right? It should be yeah, okay. That's more for me. Um again, we found another difference for Sabbath. But those books should be for delight. I'm reading this. You're, n- you're not watching Schindler's List. You're watching The Fast and the Furious, okay? And one is a, is a complex, deep dive, emotional, harrowing journey into a historic event, right? Which you should watch at some stage for a different purpose, but that's not a Sabbath thing. A Sabbath thing is delight you should change your prayer your prayer should be the celebration of the blessings that are in your life right now i probably said this like nine weeks in a row but i'll keep saying you wait you wake up and you go lord i thank you for the blinds that i can pull down that are blackout blinds that allow me to sleep in today i thank you for this bed and how restful it was I thank you for my wife and for my children, for the breakfast that I'm about to have. And you just start to walk through all those blessings. And and a, a Sabbath day prayer is about acknowledging the blessings that are present in your life right now. And the thing that happens is that when you get into the rest of the week, you spend a whole day on a blessing itinerary. You go for a walk. Lord, I thank you for these legs that allow me to go on this journey. Lord, you go for a swim. Lord, I thank you for this incredible pool or beach that I get to swim at. You play a game of golf. Lord, 
I thank you for this gorgeous Taylor driver that allows me to swing sweetly down the fairway. And that's where you end it, because it could go right, it could go left. And we, you know, <laughs> the under, unpredictable nature of the ball, Lord, and the challenges you put before me. Um, that's a different day prayer. There are so many places to celebrate delight. And, and the thing I keep coming back for is Sabbath should be a day that you cherish and look forward to. I, I can tell you, I don't care how bad Thursday gets. You just, you just super stack Thursday with the worst meetings. Doesn't bother me. Why? Because Thursday night rolls around and I have this incredible family dinner and then we roll into Sabbath. And from that moment, for the next 24 hours, the good Lord is on duty and I will see you Friday night. I kind of run, yeah, Thursday night to Friday evening for my Sabbath, if that, if that makes sense. And so in that, you can delight and you can contemplate and then you can reframe that moritis towards God as opposed towards things. And so last week we talked about this notion of silence and sol solitude, which is kind of like mini-Sabbath. It's like a micro-Sabbath. Um, this is the expansion of that. And our goal here isn't to perfect it. Uh, I, don't, I don't even believe this. Like, well, I think there's perfect Sabbath in heaven. I should say that. <laughs> I think we see the fulfillment of peace. But part of what's built into Sabbath is a willingness to trust God that what we're doing is something that God's ordaining us for us. Like, there's this incredible resistance going into it. But when you hit it, you're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Good Lord's on duty. I'm just going to give him thanks for what's going down. It's, it's not a have-to thing. It's a get-to thing. You don't have to do it. You don't have to. But everyone who does it gets to do it. And it's flipping great. You don't have to. You don't have to go to Shelley Beach. But you get to go to Shelley Beach. And when you get there, after all the resistance, it's really great. Um, Wayne Mueller says, Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop, when we are finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. If we refuse to rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us 
from the need to be finished. On the seventh day, God rests. Jesus does not abolish the Sabbath. He reorientates it and says it was for you. It was designed to be this beautiful, delightful day. I um, I'll call you out. I'm sorry. But you guys, when you first did the Sabbath, you came to me like a couple of weeks later and you were like delighting in it. Do you know what I mean? Like there was this really beautiful moment where Mike was like, hey, can I tell you something? Been doing the Sabbath for a couple of weeks. We did all our shopping yesterday. It's been great and we're really enjoying it. And and that's that's kind of what I want for everyone is the, the Mike Mel experience, is this, it takes some doing, right? You've got to tee stuff up in advance and, okay, we're going to do shopping because, like, one of the things I encourage is, like, just kind of don't buy stuff on Sabbath. Like, just liberate yourself from consumerism for a whole day. It's, like, really fun. Liber- li- liberate yourself from technology for a whole day is even more fun the slow breakup with my girlfriend that is my phone is like not going well, but we're working on it. But there's this delight that unfolds, isn't there? You're like, oh, well, well, no, we can do this. Look, it's working. And God just starts teeing stuff up for you in the background. You don't even have to worry about it. So, framework, pre-vision Sunday, just so we get some places. If we're going to be a more prayerful church, we need to have margins so that we can be more prayerful because there's no sense in us putting it on top of everything that we do. If we want to make Jesus the center of everything that we do, one great way to start that is to take one-seventh of our week and just orientate that completely in the direction of God. And guess what? It'll be a lot easier. If we want to make reading Scripture something that sits central to everything I do rather than put a gigantic Bible reading program over everything we do, Let's make time so that if we wanted to do that, we could. Which means, I want you to do less work about Jesus and be with Jesus more. Okay? And if we can get there, then all the other stuff will start falling into place. Because we finally reorientated that more riders towards the good guy that we need to orientate it towards. Let's pray. Ah, Lord. As we work on our Sabbath, Lord, that you find us spaces where we can find rest, where we can find peace, where we can find joy and delight in being with you. Help us encourage us to carve out that 24 hours where we can seek your presence fully in a day where we can delight in the good things that you have given us. Uh, Like the Israelites, delight in the vineyards that you have provided for us and find joy and find rest and find rejuvenation. Amen.